Hey, this is Ashley, and I'm excited to share that the Mentor Me Accelerator, a high-impact six-week career advancement mentorship program for new and mid-level professionals, is still accepting applications for our August cohort. If you're looking for guided support to realign, revamp, and relaunch your career this year, the Mentor Me Accelerator is a great opportunity for you. During this small group accelerator, you'll benefit from guided support in small group strategy sessions. That's right, really small. I'm only accepting five women into the August cohort for you to make a complete career transformation in 2020. The first step to be a part of the August cohort to identify if you're a good fit for the program and honestly for you to identify if I'm a good fit for you as a mentor is for you to schedule your free mentor moment. You can do that at mentor-me.org backslash accelerator. That's M-E-N-T-O-R-me.org backslash accelerator. I'm so excited to help you take the first step and advance your career this year. Hey, this is Ashley. Hey, this is Marcy. And this is School and Life, a weekly podcast about life, love, and occasionally libation. Make sure you check out our website at schoolandlifepod.com. That's S-C-H-O-L-I-N Life Pod. This week in Mentor Moment, I'm talking specifically uh, for women um, who identify as um, new professionals. Um, so these are folks who typically have less than five years of working experience in their industry, uh, you know, or maybe they are in a new industry and um, they've been working in that industry for less than five years. Um, one of the, the challenges, um, I think, for new professionals in particular um, is that you somewhere along the way maybe learned that you needed to like leverage teamwork to get to where you need to be in your career. And so you started to call yourself a team player. You're, you're centering we in all of your conversations. Uh, you see yourself as a strong collaborator and, um, and communicator and connector with other people and other stakeholders. And that is really important. There is so much value in building community and building your ability to uh, be a part of a team. And, you know, obviously, if you want to grow into management and leadership positions, it would be you leading and managing a team. And so your ability to do that is important. However, I, I want to remind new professionals in general um, that sometimes there is a problem for you when you're putting everyone else first, when you're centering team. Um, because then when you go on an interview, you're like, yeah, we and we and we. And I want to remind you that the employer is not hiring we. They probably are not hiring the entire team, right? They're hiring you. And so as, as a new professional, I also want you to be thinking about the skill sets that you have that are unique to you, the things that you can do like no one else can, the things that are um that make you stand out as a professional. Maybe that's your approach. Maybe that's your credentials. Maybe it's the way in which you approach teamwork and the way in which you approach working with other people. But too often I see new professionals um, with a real problem of putting everyone else first and centering a team in a way that doesn't allow their skill sets to shine. And so for new professionals, again, this is women who have less than five years of experience working in the current industry, I really want you to take some time this week, that's right, take some time this week to really be thoughtful about 
what specific skill sets you have that are different uh, than the norm. I often call these high impact skill sets. Are you a strategic thinker? Are you a futuristic thinker? Are you an empathetic and empathic leader? Um, are you great at building and developing teams? Are you an expert in change management? Are you an expert in project management? What skill sets do you have that really pull you apart from the pack that would help you lead teams in a meaningful way. And I want you to understand those. I want you to hone those. And I want you to work on your articulation of those so that not only you can talk about how great you are as at, in a team, but you can also talk about um, the ways in which you um, provide value in a meaningful way like no other professional. Because as you grow as a professional, it's going to be really important that you can articulate that in a way that is impactful and in, in, um, and is empowered. Um, and, and you can, you, once you know that, you can then use that. You can use that um, to leverage for a raise. You can use that to um, leverage for more visibility in your organization to take on new projects. And you can also leverage it um, as you go out into um, you know, the job searching space. If you're looking for new opportunities, you can use that. Um, and if you find yourself, you know, working through that activity and really needing some help with that to really uncover those skills and then learn how to talk about them in an impactful way, the Mentor Me Accelerate program is going to be a great fit for you because that's going to allow you in the very first session, session one literally is all about skill articulation. We're going to do an assessment where we really work to understand and uncover your skills. And then we're going to work on high impact skill articulation so that you can do just what I described. Um, and so if that sounds like that's something that would be of value to you, make sure you do uh, go to the uh, Mentor Me um, website. That's mentor-me.org backslash accelerator. So you can take the first step and schedule your mentor moment um, so that we can identify if the program is a good fit for you. Uh, let me know um, in, um, on social if this is helpful. You can um, reach out to us at School and Life Podcast on Instagram or me personally at Ashley Ashire uh, on Instagram. I want to know if this was helpful for you. If, if you're a new a uh, professional who kind of struggles with the cons, you know, you know, leveraging between teamwork and sort of who you are as a professional and how you stand out. And if these strategies that I shared was helpful for you, um, let me know. I look forward to hearing from you. So y'all, we haven't done libations in for a, and you know, I am a tequila girl and I love a good um, tequila any day in any time of the day honestly and so it's a little late or a little um after the fact but if you missed national tequila day on friday which again cannot stand covid cannot stand corona because of what national tequila day being on a friday would have been so dope but if you missed it if you didn't know please go pour up some for the homies um so that you can celebrate and honor national tequila day on Tuesday, even though it was on Friday. Ashley, did you know it was National Tequila Day and did you have a chance to imbibe? Uh, yes, I did know it was National Tequila Day and I, you know, am watching my figure, but I, you know, did have my uh, margarita on the rocks uh, salted rim um, and um, I am 
um, a big fan of trying to explore black owned, um, like, you know, uh, mixers and, um, you know, libations. And so um, I'm really excited because um, I'll, I'll give a preview for our guest this week. I follow her on social and she shouted out some black owned tequila brands. So I'll share more about those um, a little later in the episode. But I think that um, just like knowing um, that I can like have my libations and support us just brings me so much joy. Um, and so um, I'll make sure that I shout those brands out in the show notes and later in the episode so that you can invest in those libations if you're pouring up uh, a margarita today. So I agree. Let's celebrate uh, National Tequila Day, how, whether you have it in the shot or straight or, you know, on the rocks or the salted rim. Um, it's always a time, like Marcy said, it's always, if tequila is calling, you always want to pick up. It's always a good time to have, to celebrate um, these faux national days. So um, next up is I digress. And as you all know, all month, we have been having summer school, inviting women um, that we think are smart and funny and that can add value to the conversations that we always have on School on Life um, onto the show. Uh, each week, um, in two, uh, each Tuesday in July, um, we've been, been inviting women to tell us what they've learned in the first half of the year, what they're prepared to learn this summer in summer school, and what's on the horizon for them for 2020. And our guest uh, this week is no different. This week's guest is the uh, a or that Brittany, <laughs> as she calls herself. And she is the founder of the Brittany B, a blog that's dedicated to disabling the idea of work-life balance to birth the idea of work-life integration. She says that your nine to five life includes corporate success, passion, projects, and side hustles, travel, and everything in between. And her blog is for corporate entrepreneurial social butterflies who exist in a corporate environment, but can also intersect with other ventures outside of the office. Her current passions have led her to be an advocate for underrepresented people, especially Black women in the workplace. Um, and she aims to give resources and valuable tips to those who are looking to not only build their brand in their company, but also build equity and success as well. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you. Yes, thank you for having me. I was super excited um, to be here today. Yes, we are really looking forward to to having this conversation with you. So let's jump right in. Um, 2020 has been a doozy, right? Just talking about it in libations, but it's been a year. So what has your 2020 hashtag quarantine life looked like from March up until now? So my last day in the office was, I want to say March, maybe 17th, whatever the Monday was after St. Patty's Day. And with everything going on, I was already kind of uneasy about being in the office because just in, you know, our floor alone, there's a few hundred people. So I ended up going early home early that day. And then we got an email saying like, hey, we're going to work from home. And the idea was that, you know, by May, this was going to be over and we were going to transition back. And now in July, almost August is I'm still at home. So I can definitely say it's been a transition moving kind of from being an office to super collaborative, sitting across from people, getting to like handle a lot of things. to now everything, of course, being handled on Zoom, Skype, Google Hangouts, whatever it is. Um, and then our workload has definitely increased being home because I work in delivery services on an app. So that means when more people are staying home, that it's 
I don't have to leave my house for things. So we definitely saw an uptick in business along with just some of the general things we were doing with marketplace integrations and things like that. So my workload during this time has definitely doubled. Um, at one point I had worked for like 40 days straight and I kind of like, well, my therapist dragged me, but then I had to drag myself for this and ended up taking some time off. So I've definitely just still been an adjustment to get everything that needs to get done because now I don't know if anyone else has experienced this, but people kind of been more lax on responding to emails as quickly and other things because they're like, Oh, I was in the kitchen making a sandwich or, Oh, because you physically can't walk into my office and ask me things. It's things are getting lost in my inbox box and other things. So I, it definitely has just been an adjustment trying to grasp everything that's going on and kind of molding my space to understand like now it's like not just working from home but like working where I live so making sure that I have dedicated spaces to like work at and not taking it into my bedroom or other things because I'm so used to my space just being kind of my safe haven to come home and not work except when it's like creative things or other things I want to do so it's now you know, just trying to be mindful of that and not bringing as much like work stress and everything as I can possibly here. Yeah, I think you're so right. Like that, the fact that work is also home is also like the club is also like the laundromat. Like it, it's it's become everything and, and that can be really overwhelming. Um, and can you talk a bit more about like how, if at all, COVID-19, the economic decline and the increased activation of social justice, right, in the public space has impacted your well-being and in what ways it's impacted, um, like, your work um, and even your um, sort of activation of your blog and advocacy for, for Black women? So it's a little double-sided. Um, so, of course, working for a company that's traditionally a little bit more conservative and you know, families oriented, it's definitely been a challenge sometimes even recognizing or getting other people to recognize the things that are going on outside. So after everything that happened um, with the first few protests and everything that was going on in Minnesota, we came back to work and we actually have one of the most diverse teams inside of the company. So everyone's like almost a person of color. So you have Black representation, you have Mexican, Latino, you have Asian, and you have African, like there is a lot. And we we kind of just, everyone skirted around it. And on Monday's calls, it was just like, oh, how's everyone's weekend? Did anyone do anything, you know, cool? And I'm just sitting on the other side of the phone. Well, did nobody see what was going on outside this weekend? Like no one cared. And especially being in Dallas when there was a very large scale protest and that destroyed some of the buildings in downtown and some of our stores as well. So then Tuesday passed, nobody said anything. And by Wednesday, I was on a call that morning with like directors and other people I was like, Hey, I'm related to work, but can we talk about what's going on? Because you have people on your team that might be directly impacted. Um, I think I can speak honestly and say that for most of us, especially black people and especially black women, we have a habit of, feeling the things that are going on around us. So even though we might not be in cities where the marches are still happening, or we might not know someone who was at a march and might maybe not went with ourselves, but we kind of take an empathic route 
when it comes to what's going on in the world, knowing that if it impacts someone that looks like us, male or female, it impacts us in some way. So definitely was super vocal internally all the way down to like, well, what are we doing around our marketing about this? Like I've been bringing up the lack of diversity in our marketing for months, actually, since I've got here. So about a year and some change, I've been like, hello, um, people we're using in our ads aren't even what our top customers look like. And making sure that they understand diversity just isn't about color, but it's just like, hey, disabled people, they need delivery services. Are, is our app ADA compliant in the way that it makes sounds or notifications and colors? Like trying to create flags and APIs that when someone is disabled, they could potentially put that in the app saying, I'll need help with this order or you have to bring it to my door. So just really trying to think of like, hey, how can every way as a company and as a team, can I drive us to be inclusive? So that's kind of from a corporate standpoint. From a life standpoint, I can say that I've always been about Black businesses, especially Black businesses that are owned by women because we're often overlooked. And we often, it's like, oh, if it's not glamorous or it's not, you know, kind of has thousands of followers, all these other things that people kind of expect, then it's, we're kind of left in the dark sometimes. Times and black women are some of the fastest growing business owners. However, we also have the least revenue generated. So it's kind of a double edged sword, just like, hey, this is great, the stats behind it, but why? So, trying to understand all those things. So, every opportunity I could to figure out how to put a black woman, even at the start of quarantine, like I did a whole IG Instagram series of just nothing but black women businesses that people could support while they're at home so that was if you need creative services if you were trying to figure out how to pivot your brand and you need branding if you were looking for cookbooks if you were looking for clothes like whatever you were looking for because early on everyone was just kind of like oh we're just gonna be home for a couple weeks it's not that bad like now we're like oh we're actually living through a whole pandemic social unrest i'm probably not going to leave my house so i've just had a super big focus as of lately it's just like hey how can we support the community and continue to circulate the dollars, circulate the facts? And also, are you signing your petitions? Are you, if you are spending money right now, can you give them to nonprofits that actually need it? Can you go volunteer somewhere safely? Or can you even just sign up, especially for a lot of these smaller black businesses that have been family owned, family run, a lot of them haven't been able to catch up with technology and social media and understand the power that it actually has. So if you're a blogger, influencer, social media content manager, creator, are you willing just to do free consultations with these businesses? And if they can't afford to pay you, like, can you just throw them something for free and say, hey, maybe you need to, you know, just let's rewrite your bio. And even if you're not going to rewrite it for them, just let them know, because I still am a big like fan of like, hey, your brain, your IQ, that's still like important IP. So don't give everything away for free. But I think we're also living in a time where you have to understand helping people doesn't mess up your coin. And it usually actually helps you bring in more money. So if there are things that you can do that you're like, hey, the five minutes it's going to take me to tell somebody this, or the five minutes it'll take to say like, hey, I noticed some things missing out of your bio, like just an idea. If you have five minutes, give it. Like do it. It's not that big of a deal to me. Now don't create a whole social media strategy and plan and all this without like coming to some type of terms. But I think sometimes we go out of our ways for these larger scale businesses and corporations. And we need to show that same love to smaller black owned businesses as well.
Yeah, and I think you absolutely live up to those um, values, Brittany. Um, following you on social, on Instagram in particular, is a joy, and I invite you all to do it too. She's the Brittany B underscore on Instagram. Um, and, you know, just an example of that, just um, today, or just this past Friday, in honor of National Tequila Day, she um, shouted out um, some Black-owned tequila brands. So John B, uh, or John Bass um, at Tequila, Tequila with Friends, is a Black-owned, Rebel Spirits has a Black-owned black tequila, uh, Tolerado uh, Tequila USA, um, Antigua Tequilas, um, and there may be more as well. And so I invite you to um, follow her on social um, and her activism, particularly around Black women, um, your, the work that you've been doing for Breonna Taylor and inviting folks to sign petitions, I, I think really speaks to that. Um, and it's exciting to hear that you're doing that in the corporate space as well, because it's like sometimes you feel like you got to pick a side or pick a struggle. But you're right. We don't like we have to we have to be doing the work on both ends. So thank you for like living that out loud. Oh, thank you for that. Um, I think even like when I took Juneteenth off, like I sent out just like, hey, this is why I'm taking it off. And it had in my, of course, like my inbox like my out of office that was talking about Juneteenth and was like, hey, but here's a link to positions that need to be signed or that are lacking signatures. And was like, also, if you want to support black owned businesses, here's a link for this Google map that I made that all are around like North Texas, Fort Worth, downtown Dallas. So no matter where you live, there's something for you to do here. Um, I think at the end of the day, before anything, before your job, before people who see you in these roles, you're still black. Like I've never been in a role or something where it's not been blatantly clear that I'm a black person. Um, so it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter what you do. Like we, we don't get to choose that. So you don't, for me, at least I can't speak for anyone else, but I can say for me that I do not have a choice, but to do what I feel is right. And if that meant like, cause the email that I had sent my director, basically like, well, our CEOs, like internal statement I was like it really said nothing and I'm still confused what the actual lack like commitment to diversity is like what is the plan because unfortunately this is all I've continuously heard for a year but I've not seen what is what is the five points we're doing what is this because we had these same major rollouts for COVID everyone was clearly able to explain it like oh this is our plan this is what we're doing great 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 but what are you doing to actually live up to the commitment that you say you are so that email made it all the way up to our senior vice president of HR. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I may or may have not just put my job on the line. And then I thought about it. I'm like, well, if my job becomes in jeopardy of speaking out for everything that I am in my existence, then I know God's got me. I'll be fine. Whatever happens. And then do I really even want to be here? And I even had like a conversation with some of the directors and like, well, we don't see color. We don't know. I was like, no, let's, let's not that microaggression. I'm like, because you know, I'm black. You see that I'm black. And for you not to see everything that comes with that, like my history and my, like you're ignoring my entire being. So please see my black because it's beautiful and it's rich. And I think we have to, we have to just now, it's like, we have no choice but to sit in it. And if it makes other people uncomfortable, sorry for you. This is just where we're at right now. 
Yeah, and it sounds like you're putting in a lot of work in terms of advocacy, both in your professional corporate space and in your personal like side hustle space. And I think it's really important that we talk about like what mental health looks like in that space of doing all that advocacy and doing all that work. And a lot of times when we're in like the spaces of crises and stress, we tend to look tend to lean on those that we love um, for strength and comfort. And so have you felt like your tribe support has been helping you during this time? Um, or what has that support looked like for you? Um, I will say that I have a, like a very solid group of Black women in it. But I will also say that we're all going through the same thing. So we're all like having our days that are just like, yo, this is a lot. And I went through this at work and I went through this at work. Um, so I'm mindful of kind of doing data dumps on my friends, like just downloads of like, girl, like, like, Hey, do you actually have space to talk about this today? Because again, being mindful, we're literally living through a pandemic, social unrest, social injustice, and then just regular everyday life has not stopped. So it's still things we have to deal with. Um, and my therapist is a black woman. So even there's been some days that we've talked and I've just been like, hey, are you actually up to this today? Um, because I hear in your voice that you're a little stressed. I know I'm stressed. We can reschedule for later this afternoon if you need to. Or it's like, hey, she even texted me one day. and was like, hey, no, we're supposed to meet tomorrow, but I actually need a day because there's been a lot that happened this week. And I was like, girl, I'm actually fine with that because I plan on going on airplane mode and not talking to anybody tomorrow. So this was this was great. Um, but of course I've been going to her for a while. So we're comfortable doing those things with each other. And if I would have said no, then she would have showed up for me. Um, but the support I can say from my friends, I think we've done a really good job. Like we, one of our friends decided to kind of move to LA during all of this happens because she was a chef and it was just a really good opportunity for her. So we're like, Hey, it's still a pandemic, but we're going to wear masks and gloves and come over and help you pack. Like, we're going to see you off before you go. Um, another one of our friends, her 30th birthday, and she was supposed to be in Barcelona. So we, like, threw, like, a smaller party for her once it was like, okay, we can actually have five people in a room and it's okay. Um, we've had friends that have bought houses, friends that have started new businesses. So I'll say like, the people closest to me, um, and even the people not in Dallas, but we ha I have regular check-ins with my friends in like Chicago or New York or out in DC where we're just like, hey, are you good? And this is like, mm, not really. Cool. You want to talk about it? Nope. Okay. Well, when you want to talk about it, I'm here. Like, that's, that's the most support that I think that sometimes people can offer. And I think there's also sometimes this selfish idea that if your friends don't check on you during this pandemic or do anything, then that's not your friend. I will say, you know, it's like, hey, most of us are at home doing nothing, but you still don't know what people are dealing with. Like people still have family issues. Um, like I worry about my grandma every day because she's 80 and she has lupus. So if she comes in contact with COVID, there might be a really real person, like possibility she wouldn't make it through it. So people have things that others are struggling with. So you just got to give grace during this time. But I'm thankful that my friends have been super supportive and I hope that I've shown up for them the same way. Yeah, that level of grace and support is critical. Um, and I appreciate, I'm so glad that you have community that um, is doing it for you. That's awesome. So now we're going to talk life lessons um, since this is School on Life. So we want to know, Brittany, one thing you learned about life, one thing you learned about love, and one thing you learned about libations in 2020. Ooh, okay. Um, 
one thing I learned about life, I think this has been probably my biggest lesson of this year is it's not enough to just be intentional about making space for God. You have to be intentional about making the space and then be open to what he does in it. So sometimes we run away from the things that we're actually good at or we're like, I don't want this to be my purpose because it's it's not super glamorous. It's not super cute. But then you look and you're like, mm, God, like, what am I supposed to do here? So I was running, like, during quarantine, I ran, like, a small mentor group for about five girls. And it was, like, on top of working 50 to 60 hours per week, spending 20 hours with them, like, doing workbooks, doing exercises. And I was exhausted. And then, you know, one of the girls, two of the girls are going back to school to get their MBAs. One got accepted, like, this week. Another girl, she's got some contract work. So I'm like, and she was like, I wouldn't have done this if you didn't push me to think critically about how I was positioning myself. And I was like, okay, so all these, you know, these 200 plus hours that I spent over, you know, 10 weeks doing this, like, cool, this is good. But then I was like, mm, God, I don't, I hope this isn't what you're telling me, like I'm supposed to be doing for real, for real. But then again, I said, I have to make space for him and then I have to accept whatever comes with it. Um, biggest lesson on love. I would say that understanding how to communicate what you need and being open to it changing. Because I think the same things that I asked for last year are not the same things that I was asking for this year. And we as black women, oftentimes I think we downplay what we need because we're like, oh, I don't want to ask that, or it's doing too much. And I had to make it very clear with myself that, no, it is not. These are the things you want. You like affirmations. Last year, you were like, yeah, they're not that deep. Now you're like, no, I need this. Um, hey, I need time. Hey, I need these things. And it does not mean that you are too much to handle. It just means that person might not be able to handle it right now. And that has nothing to do with you that's a personal problem. That's not yours. Um, and then the last one about libations. Yeah, I've drank a lot during quarantine. Um, I drink a lot. <laughs> so I will say that I actually have spending a lot of time learning more about wine um, and trying new wines and going to stores and saying, hey, what actually goes with, like I was in one of the wine stores the other day trying to find a wine that pa paired well with pizza and got a South African wine that was amazing. Um, but just even that is just like, hey, it makes a world of difference that I'm usually just like, I know what I like in a cocktail person. So wine has been like, a, oh, I love being like wine tipsy. It's like, I feel like someone's ultimate auntie. Love the energy. And so I've been spending more time learning about wines and how to properly actually drink them and I'm starting to build an actual wine glass wall with different wine glasses that you're actually supposed to be drinking out of instead of just using the same wine glass all the time yeah I think that's so cute like that is just adorable that you're actually spending this time exploring and investigating what your libations should look like to expand that palette. I love that so much. And let me tell you, that that quote, I know Ashley wrote it down, so I'm going to tell her to send me the exact text. That quote about making space for what God wants to do in your life, I, that is it. That is all of that. So thank you. 
girl no thank god because i was sitting there the other day and, and i was like okay i'm making space i'm making space and i never hear god talk to me but i get feelings and then it, i asked myself i'm like but are you open to what you're making space for and i'm like mm, cool all right here we go girl that is good and so with thinking about that being open to what god has in store for you um the second half of 2020 is quickly upon us and moving right along so what goals and intentions do you have for the remainder of the year um i think my i'll be honest and say i haven't set any more really goals for the rest of the year um i'm such an a-type personality that i and i'm a planner so i guess i can say this is a goal but it's to let just things happen and that's it um, I'm so used to like every day, like, here's my to-do list. Here's, you know, you're perfectly written out things that you have to check off. And, you know, on Friday, you need to do this on, and then two weeks from now, you need to do this. And then these dates and I'm just existing. And that, that was one of the things. So I don't make new year's resolutions, but I always make birthday resolutions. So every year on my birthday, I'm saying like, Hey, this next year in life, how do I want to grow? And what areas do I want to ask God for wisdom in that? I may have like started understanding, but I need more help in and I need more grace in. And one of them was to learn to just exist and not be so busy, like being a human doing and really just be a human being. And I think COVID actually kind of forced my hand. And of course it's been difficult to like tackle at times because I'm so used to like having things to do or like go, go, go that I've enjoyed just sitting in silence. Like my house is quiet most of the day outside of my dog, um, barking every once in a while. Um, he's currently asleep, so it's peaceful. Um, but I'm just, my biggest goal for myself is to continue to take care of myself mentally, physically, health-wise, um, spiritually, and just really just exist and not worry about am I doing too much, not doing enough, or if, I, I'm not caught up to where people think I should be caught up in doing all these things. It's like, hey, am, am I using my talents in a smart way but still giving myself space? If the answer is yes, then I, I think I've done all I can do. And I think that, that the, the difference between being a human doing and being a human being um, is so challenging for um, you know, high-achieving women, <laughs> so many of which listen to this show. So what advice, what advice would you give to school and life listeners who feel a little bit beat up by 2020, who feel a little bit disillusioned and are looking for an intentional path forward? I would say don't focus so much on what you feel you have lost or what you haven't been able to achieve, but focus on the space you've been able to create for yourself. So whether that's you were able to pick up a new hobby that you've been putting off for years because you haven't had time, you learn something new, big or small. Like I said, learning wine glasses might seem really small, but for me, it was like, I, I'm interested in this and I didn't know I actually was. Um, if you got to know something about yourself, like take the wins. Don't focus on because you didn't get your business off the ground or you didn't, you know, you're supposed to launch a project and it got pushed back or all the things you're supposed to do. But look at the spaces God's allowed you to pivot in and focus on. And then that's where you spend your energy like because it's gone. Like whatever you're supposed to do is gone. You can't get that back. But what you can do is take the things you have and make the best out of them. 
Yes, love that. That is such a word. So I know Ashley mentioned it earlier, but please tell our listeners where they can find you and the work that you're doing and anything that's coming up on the pipeline regarding your work right now. So find me at Instagram, um, the Brittany B underscore and Brittany spelled the regular way. Sorry for all you NEY girls, but it's correctly A-N-Y. Um, typically on there every day. So even if I'm not posting on my feed, I'm dropping things on my story for like different brands. You can go support articles to read. Um, like Ashley mentioned today, like I did a whole story on black owned tequila brands that I was like, I didn't even know there were so many. So I don't even drink tequila, but now I'm like, I would like to drink tequila just because. Um, so those type of things. So I try to just use the space that I've been giving the best way and to serve the community that follows me. Um, you can also find my blog at www.thebrittanyb.com. So there's anything on there from career tips to general and nine to life stuff. Um, also super into skincare. So you'll also catch me talking about skincare and yelling at people to make sure they do their night routines and don't over exfoliate wear your sunscreen, 30 to 50 SPF, always make this sure it's broad spectrum, and wash your hands before you do your skincare. Those are important. So those are the type of things that I like. Um, I'm a skincare bully, and I believe we all deserve glowing skin because it's important and it reflects how you usually feel about yourself. Yeah, but other than that, this one floating around. Um, biggest things I will... Um, Still kind of like working on what the rest of 2020 looks like and then trying to line up projects for 2021, God willing. But like I said, just find me. It's usually something that I'm like, oh, I'm here now. I'm doing this. So never know. I like to keep people on their toes. Yes, and I love that you describe yourself as a bully because at least once once a day as I'm going through your stories, you're like, did you wash your hands before you touch? Stop touching your face. Did you wash, are your hands clean? I'm like, no, okay. I am 100% a bully about skincare and it's just not with like it's especially with people I know that I'll see them putting things on your skin and I'm like why are you doing this to yourself throw this out like one of my guy friends said he was using a dove bar to wash his face the other day and it was a whole 20 minute conversation I was just like I want more for you and even though you're trash at least look like good trash because this is not it and you're dousing yourself in witch hazel it's not cute it's not and you're dry, and you're ashy, and this is why. Oh, if you need a bully in your life, follow the Brittany V <laughs> underscore on Instagram and get your live. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us. We're so grateful to have you. Um, it's a great way to close out our summer school series, for sure. Thank um, you so, so much for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, that was awesome. So glad that Brittany joined us and she's going to stay on for the remainder of the show so we can do All Black Everything in TVT. So Marcy, it is the end of um, Minority Mental Health Month and the end of July. What do you have for us this week? So this week, I am going to actually tell y'all what I was supposed to tell y'all last week, um, just about protecting your mental health. And as this is the last episode that will be a part of Minority Mental Health Month, I just want to make sure that you all have these resources um, as we are continuing to live through a pandemic. And it's a list of 44 mental health resources, so I'm not about to share all 44 of them. We'll have it linked in the episode notes if you want to check out some of the other ones. I'm just going to highlight a few in the different categories. So one of the categories is people to follow. And so this is a category that has all of the Instagram, all of the podcasts, um, 
brands and names and honestly like therapists that are actually out here putting in work on social media so one of them is the hey girl podcast alexander l she's an author um, and the founder of the podcast she posts affirmations like we are never alone in our struggles and you don't have to be okay healing isn't linear so if you're looking for some encouragement and some um, affirmations definitely check her out donna oreo oreo woe PhD um, is a sex and relationship therapist. And I know that a lot of people are struggling with being coupled um, during quarantine and during pandemic. So definitely if you are looking to talk about sexuality, about relationships for black folks specifically, definitely check her out. Um, Dr. Clemens, Dr. Jessica Clemens is a board certified a psychiatrist who spotlights Black mental health. I know there's a lot of stigma around medication um, in the Black community, and so I definitely think it's helpful to have professionals that know about medication and mental health to um, have that as a resource. And of course, Dr. Bradford, Joy Bradford, who is the host and founder of Therapy for Black Girls. She has so much um, content and just like connection, and I've talked about Therapy for Black Girls on here before, but she actually has like a Facebook community. She has the podcast all of her Instagram posts are really dope and amazing. So definitely follow her, check those out if you need that kind of support. Um, there are also just some brands and collectives and organizations to follow the Balanced Black Girl, Black Female Therapist, Black Girls Heal, Black Girl in Ohm, Black Mental Wellness, Brown Girl Self-Care. So lots of different things, lots of different spaces um, that you can tap into. I also want to shout out the Loveland Foundation because they actually have a therapy fund where they are trying to get people to have access to free services. And so if you're struggling with being able to pay for something like that, they do have a fund for it. So I would definitely encourage you to check that out. And one of my favorites that I follow um, is the NAP ministry. I'm all about resting and taking naps and they just talk about like how resting is really our birthright and that it just allows us to, um, just renew and rejuvenate and it's a form of resistance and so if you are hesitant about resting i would definitely say check out um the nap ministry transparent black girl and transparent black guy are also um brands and spaces on social media that you can tap into and then i'm just going to shout out a couple of these directories for finding black therapists that i don't think a lot of people know about a lot of them we've been some of us have been um, moving away from psychology today because of some of their inherently racist practices and behaviors and not being open to inclusivity and conversations that we've been trying to have with them about being inclusive. And so we are really trying to push some of these um, lesser known but still very active in the brown community, um, the black and brown community. So Ayana Therapy is one black female therapist, black virtual therapist network, inclusive therapist, LGBTQ psychotherapists of color in California, Melanin and Mental Health, um, National Queer and Trans Therapists of Color Network, the Association of Black Psychologists, Therapy for Black Girls, Therapy for Black Men, Therapy for Queer People of Color, Zen Care, right? Like there are so many directories and while they are definitely not as well known as psychology today, um, that's all 
that's going to be the first one that pops up. I would definitely encourage you if you're looking specifically for a black person, a person of color to meet your therapy needs, check those out. Um, so yes, yeah, so we're going to post that link in the show notes. It also just has some resources on finding a therapist, talking to them about fees, ways you can support and all of those things. So I really encourage you all as Minority Mental Health is closing up as we are moving into this latter portion of the year, still focusing on your mental health is so important and so necessary. And hopefully those resources will help. Yeah, thanks so much for that, Marcy. And I would just like to encourage folks, like, you know, our guest Brittany's um, um, talked about, you know, her therapist and her relationship with her therapist. Marcy is a licensed clinical psychologist. I go to therapy. Uh, I'm an acute therapy user, but go um, often. And I wanna want folk to encourage folks to think about all the ways that you can leverage and use therapy. So like you can use it for yourself, right? Like you can go to therapy, you can use it for your relationship. You can consider couples therapy. If you have children, there's like adolescence therapy, like you, you know, go with your, your, your children. You can do family therapy, you can do group therapy. There's just so many ways to interface and engage with therapy. And I think I recently like read some myths that, um, and this is a myth, I believe it's a myth, but um, Marcy, you can clear this up. But like, I'm seeing a lot around like, oh, therapy is all about like going through your childhood trauma and like uncovering what happened in childhood. And it's about that. It's not like future focused. It's not about action planning. It's not forward thinking. And that has not been my experience with therapy. Like my experience with therapy. Yeah, certainly we may talk about like my childhood or my parents or quote unquote trauma, but we also are really like talking about like what's happening in my life right now, what's going on like right now. And, and, and like my thoughts that like interrupt and engage what's going on right now and how I can future plan and how I can be well going forward. And so I want to just like in this public space, um, and as we talk about like minority mental health month, like dispel some of that, like, oh, therapy is about the past and it's all about trauma. It can be about what's going on right now and be actionable and focused forward. And I encourage you to, if that's what you need, then therapy still can be really good for you. Yeah. And I, I think that, so the reason that myths exist is because there's just a lack of knowledge and information. And so what I would say is just that every therapist has their different style and their different way of doing therapy. It's called a theoretical orientation. It's their approach. And when you're looking for a therapist, it's not enough to just say, I want to work with a black woman. And I know that sometimes there are limits, right? Like some places like I don't know, Portland, Oregon might not have a bunch of black therapists. And so it does sometimes look like, well, maybe they don't necessarily have the options. But if you're in places where you can shop around, you can look at the options, really be intentional about what does their website say? What does their profile of these directories say? What kinds of approaches do they take towards your healing and towards what you're looking for? And when you're talking to them, tell them what you want. And if they say that they don't do that, they're more psychodynamic and they just want to explore your childhood trauma, then that's not a good fit for you. I think a lot of people don't recognize that every therapist is not going to be a good fit for you. And that's okay. I know it's hard to open up to people several times or over a number of different sessions, but it's really important for you to also be advocating for yourself and talking to your therapist about, hey, notice that we're talking a lot about childhood trauma, really trying to plan for the future. Where can we find a happy medium or how can we move forward with that as well? And if they say that that's not their thing, that's not what they want to do, fire them and that's okay. So just, I just really want people to be intentional about like what you're asking for and being able to say, um, this isn't helping me and this is what I need because therapy is the space for you to be able to do that. 
Yeah. And it sounds like you talked about, Brittany, like having gone to your therapist for a while, you guys have built a rapport. And so I imagine you too can think of times where you like wanted, you know, were able to provide feedback or say like, hey, I need this or that, you know, based on where you were. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think when finding therapists is a kind of little bit like dating, right? It doesn't mean that it's the first person that you're going to land on. Um, I always say people like interview your therapist. Like see, most of them will offer just 15, 20 minute consultations just to kind of fill them out, talk about things and see where you're at. Also check your health and benefits package because someone will cover in your healthcare. And if there are some that are covered, then definitely look and see, like use the free ones to kind of date around um, because you want to know, right, that maybe the best therapist for you is not a woman. Maybe it is a man or maybe you click with someone. Um, it's whoever that you feel the most open and vulnerable with and that you can feel safe with and is going to give you what you need, but you also have to tell them. So I, I will tell my therapist like, Hey, here are things that I'm kind of like working on or struggling with right now. This is what I need from you. And do you have any tools to help me with this? And then other times she has to pull it out for me and she's like, okay, you're saying this, but this is actually what you need. Um, so you do have to have stake in the game because it is your life. But definitely don't jump on the first therapist you find. Ask questions, ask what their expertise is. If you're looking for someone who has experience with specific trauma, specific experience, ask them that too. And say like, hey, have you ever dealt with anything like that? Great, you have experience here. Cool, versus someone who's just like, yeah, I've never had to deal with that. Don't have any patients that deal with that. Because I went to someone, I go to a healing center and specifically for geared towards women who've had childhood trauma. So I found someone who was like, yeah, I'm very familiar with some of the things you're just telling me in your intro call. Um, Cause at first she was totally booked and was like, I have no more space. And then after talking to her, she was like, yeah, you need to come in like this week. And she opened up a space and I've been rocking with her for over a year and a half now. Yeah, I'm so glad that you found that. And I think more women like need to know that they can have that and that there are different ranges. So maybe in August, Marcy, we'll do a special episode where we talk about like different approaches and so how you identify like what um, is a good fit for you. So stay tuned for that. So now we're going to roll into our last segment, which is TVT. And this week we are talking Netflix series, Indian Matchmaking. Um, matchmaker Seema Tarparna guides clients in the U.S. and in India around, around the arranged marriage process and offers an inside look at the customs um, of arranged marriages in a modern era. Uh, I'm so excited to um, talk about the show on School on Life because I love love. I'm such a romantic at heart. Um, and I think I generally had very strong feelings about arranged marriages prior to watching the show that I feel like maybe have shifted and changed in interesting ways since watching it. Um, I know, Brittany, that you've watched it um, as well. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. And Marcy, we're going to try to convince you that it's worth at least a view, even though we know that it's not your favorite genre <laughs> of TV. So um, I want to start just by talking about the host or the matchmaker, Seema. Love her approach. Um, she's so like honest and so like funny. She's literally hilarious. She was reading these people for Phil, like, no, you can't have that. No, that's not gonna work. Mm -mm, you're not gonna be a good match. She was reading the girls. What did you think about Seema Brittany? I actually loved her. Um, and I appreciated one of the things that she kind of focused on when she was understanding, like, you actually don't know what you want. So we need to send you to somebody that needs is gonna help you deal with you first. Because I think that a lot of people that one to be vulnerable with yourself is scary and then to do it with someone else is like 
terrifying. Um, but to be able to understand what you actually want and sit in that, like that's kind of the key to being in a relationship and even looking for one. So I, I liked her and I liked her approach where she's just like, girl, listen, you're stubborn and I got to send you to someone else before we can even look for you a man because you're not willing to compromise. You're not willing to do these things. But for me watching it, which I'm, I'm like, I need them to come out with season two, like yesterday. But Listen, she did what she did that with Ankita too. Like she took sent her yes. to a life coach. I think she did that with um, what is her name? Oh, she was so difficult. Um, uh, Arparna, child, Arparna. Oh my, she gave me heart attacks. <laughs> a heart attacks. I was like, girl, like you. And then she had so many shoes. I'm sorry, but they were ugly. Shoes are ugly. She was like, I have so many shoes. I have all these shoes, all these wedges. No, ma'am. You're a grown person. No, ma'am. Wedges are for eighth graders. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. No, but it was it was so good. Like, I was like, I have to go to India. Um, <laughs> like, it made me want. I'm like, I'm going to Mumbai. Like, this is what I'm doing. It's on as soon as twenty like 2020 is over and 2021 is up, and they like our passports were actually worth something now. I'm on a plane. So yeah, you gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. It was just. I, I, I did like her approach. And I think if people watch it from the perspective of that, every person that she was matchmaking ended up having to compromise and having to look at themselves. That's kind of the perspective that I watched it from, right? It wasn't um, the last episode of, you know, Red Table Talk. <laughs> it was, it's a journey. It was, there were no entanglements here. This was very like, hey, you say you want these things, but are you willing to actually do the work to get them? And I think that's a question we all need to ask ourselves. Indeed. And I love the dichotomy between like arranged marriage and love marriage because like, right, in both, as you described, there's like compromise, but also like with arranged marriage and matchmaking, it, I always thought it was like, okay, here's this person, you like them, right? Or not, not even you like them, like this is who you're going to be with now, walk down the aisle. But it wasn't like that. They were like, the private, I, I feel like 500 times during the show, they were like, what are you looking for in a life partner? What are you looking for in a life partner? And they only matched you with people then align with what you're looking for. So it was more like online dating than like a range, like this is the person. And then once, once I mean, in online dating, it's all about preferences. Who do you like, you know, like, what do you like to do? Do you like dogs? Do you like cats? It was like that. And I felt like, I felt so, like I, I really connected with Nadia um, on the show. I loved her personal story. I'm now following her on Instagram. She's so fly. And I was so frustrated by the experiences she was having with men because I feel like when I was in the dating space, it matched my own experience. Flaky dudes who aren't honest and don't, like you said, Bree, like don't know themselves so they don't know what they want to do. Like, did you connect with Nadia or any other um, like folks who were featured on the show? I love Nadia. Like, I thought she was such, like, a vibrant personality and a good person. Now, I will say, of course, we're watching reality TV. We don't know everything that happened. But I loved that um, she set her up with a lawyer that ended up, like, not liking um, the girl with the ugly shoes. Like, I love that she was just like, hey, I have somebody else, and this girl's better for you, and that they hit, hit it off because I think they were such a good balance. And I really was like, Nadia, like, you deserve so much more. Like, you know, I thought when he had sent her the flowers and all the I'm sorry cookies, I'm like, okay, we might be turning for the good here. There might be. And then when he was still trash, I was like, girl, okay, sis, we got to get you out of here. Like, I was, you flaked on me in front of my friends? In front of my yes. friends, you got me out here looking stupid? I was yelling at the TV and I was just like, oh, no, no, I know. I know. Like, I'm literally in my apartment pacing. Like, I know this is not what's happening. Like, I felt like she was my friend. 
that I'm like, girl, like we gotta, we really gotta ride out because I'm you like, I have to ride on him because he yes. played a whole game and embarrass you in front of your friends. I cannot, I cannot. Yes, but I, I loved her. Like I, and she was, she was so genuine and so sweet and so outgoing and super smart. And I think that's, you know, what we see in a lot of our friends who end up in these situations that is, and we've all been Nadia before, to be honest, like someone that we've really liked and that we shouldn't have gave a second chance and we did. And now we're sitting up here like, mm, this some bullshit, this some bullshit, like it's actually bullshit. But I appreciated she like was talking about her journey and she was like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, and then she got her a new man and it was like, Amen. Yes, and he's from Chicago. Y'all know how I feel about the city. So, like, I'm just hoping she move up to Chicago and they just live yeah. happily ever after. That's what I want for my good sis. Yes. And he's got two him. law firms. Like, he out here. Like, it's perfect. Marcy, you gotta watch this. Like, you gotta. You see, <laughs> you like, got the to watch it. every single person I know that's watched this show has loved it. Yeah, not making a case. <laughs> no, 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 I'm like, do I'm a show snob. <laughs> I am a show snob. I'm like, if I'm going to spend my time actually watching TV, it better be good. And don't y'all lie to me. And I hate when, because when, when everyone loves something, I'm usually- You, they like, gas it. They gas nah, it. Nah, like, this is, this is no. But this was one show that I can actually say that I'm like, yeah, no, this was really good. And I loved how they showed all the, like, older couples that had been in arranged marriages, like, throughout- and them just making their jokes and like how like in love and genuine it was with each other and like how they play. I was like, this is beautiful to see people actually like grow together. And we need more of that, like these happy moments that you're like, hey, even because you have to look at it from the perspective that even if that's not where you're at now and maybe you want a relationship, but you're not in one or you've been working towards one to know that, hey, you can still be happy when you see it and it shouldn't impact you to a way that you've got to turn it off or like. I hate all of this, this lovey-dovey bullshit. This is not, no. Like, your time's coming. But it was beautiful to see that, that it was just these older people that were like, yo, y'all are so adorable. Like, it was the guy that um, he told the mom that he was going to go take her to a three-hour movie, instead took her to an hour and a half one, and then they, like, snuck around and did other stuff. I was like, that's cute. Yes, he better be cunning. I love it. I love it. I was like, you sneaky, you sneaky. I see you. I love it. This is cute. Right, even in your old age, you was, you know, you was out out here. So speaking of sweet at heart, can we just momentarily talk about Vassar? I just like, like his story, just like, you can tell he was like a, a gentle giant, like super awkward when he was young, like grew up in this single parent household. And then the story of his father and like, attempted murder like what is happening but he's just so yeah. sweet and we want him to win don't we want him to win I did not expect that story but I think it showed like a great vulnerability for him because we often carry around sins from our parents and there's a lot of trauma and scars that we have that have been committed by other people that are generational so even though this nothing that he did but I could understand why he would feel the guilt and shame because it's who he came from and I think that was a big pivot for him that this experience made him be open about it. And everyone was so accepting, like, you're not your father. You're not who you are. Like, you were this, like, amazing person. Your students love you. Everyone that you come in contact loves you. Like, and I, I think, it, again, like, I think this whole thing, when I kind of, after I looked back and, like, after I watched it, I was like, this was more not about finding the person for them, but more so they find it, them finding themselves. Because everyone had that moment where they had to find themselves. Yes, and we should wrap up by talking about, um, is it Ashke, Ashke? 
um, he was the young man on the show, like tech, you know, 25 year old yeah. tech genius who was letting his mama run his life. Like literally when she, she was so manipulative, I'm gonna have a heart attack if you don't get married. I'm like, die, I don't know. I'm like, girl, you need to stop. You're doing so much on your young son, trying to force him into marriage. Yeah. I don't know that he likes this girl. I, I, I'm very nervous about the relationship, but I, we couldn't close the show without talking about him. So what was your, like, I felt like he just wasn't ready for marriage. Like he wasn't ready for this stage. What did you think, Brittany? Yeah, I didn't think Akshay was. I thought like he was just still like trying to find himself and get a grasp. And then he felt like he had to do this. And even the way his mom was talking about, well, she needs to be flexible because that's what he needs. But more so it would be easier on me. And this was her idea of what she wanted to see him with. Um, again, because these are reflected, I think, on things that we go through where our parents have different dreams for us than we have. Like I was supposed to go to law school and ended up not going. So and then I, my family was mad, like angry, like, nope, you said you wanted to be a lawyer. Why are you not going? Like to the point that my grandma tried to call the school and get me pulled out of school when I changed my major. Like things like that that are really dramatic. But if you know my grandma, that's how she is. Um, so I, I think like for him, he just was not ready. And he was like, I have time. Like I'm young. Like I'm, I have my career. I have all these things that I want to do. And I think it was just kind of unfortunate that it's like, even if he did love the girl, like, I mean, even if he was just like, oh, I'm kind of interested in her, he wasn't having that space to figure out for himself. Yeah, and I just read on The Decider, this came out just last week, that in the statement to The Decider, Akshay confirmed that his relationship status is no more. He said, I never did get married. I called it off the next day. I'm single now, focusing on work and still looking for the right one, which I choose and will vibe with. So... I, the writing was on the wall with that one. He Good was so stressed and he was not ready. And I'm glad that he didn't move, like go forward with that girl and ruin her life. Um, so yes, we are patiently or not patiently waiting on season two. Um, we are definitely going to um, have Marcy's husband figure out a way to trick her into watching at least an episode. Um, and you have to let us know what you think of the show. So when you listen, make sure you DM um, you can DM School and Life podcast on Instagram or DM Brittany or I or, you know, blow up Marcy's IG as well um, to encourage her to watch the show. We want to know what you think, what you love, um, what you loved about the show or who you connected with or if you haven't watched when you are. So that wraps up this week's episode of School and Life. Thank you so much for listening. We're so grateful to have you as listeners and continued supporters of the show. You can support the show by sharing it with a friend. Um, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on um, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, um, Stitcher, and Google Play. Um, and make sure you check out our website where you can learn more about School and Life. You can read our School and Life podcast blog um, and connect with us there at School and Life podcast or schoolandlifepod.com. School's out. Class dismissed.